You will spend your life completely wasting your time. You'll be doing things you don't like doing in order to go on living, that is to go on doing things you don't like doing, which is stupid. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast, episode four, with my good friend of 15 years, speaking of the 15-year ring, uh, Michael Powell, who is a test engineer on Battle.net, which is definitely something out of my range as far as what I know about the game development pipeline. what I know about Battle.net is only relayed through like bits and pieces from what Mike tells me on our walks and our breaks. <laughs> so I was super excited to talk to Mike because I honestly just like to soak up knowledge overall. And this is why we're doing this podcast, uh, to share knowledge. So I know I've had engineers hop into the channel before, and uh, I think there's engineers in the Discord that we have. So um, hopefully this will kind of hit a accord for anyone that's actually looking to get into engineering or or just interested in it overall like I was um, but like I said I've known Mike for 15 some odd years uh, we started back back in the 131 theory days uh, testing on WoW back when uh, vanilla was in beta um, and then we got to ship WoW and see Blizzard all the way through to what it is now Um, So Mike talks about his experiences growing up and how he was into gaming uh, way back in the day. And it's pretty much, we can call this the the two old guys talking shop podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that like, subscribe button if you feel like it. If you like the the content and enjoying the podcast, we appreciate the support. I hope everyone enjoys. Happy holidays. Have a happy new year. And uh, we'll see you on the the next episode in 2020. 2020, y'all. So as always, go support an artist and be kind to one another. And we'll see you next time. Hello and welcome to the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast, episode four. We're here with my good friend, Michael Powell. Uh, This guy right here. Um, Michael Powell joins us from Blizzard Entertainment as a test engineer. And he's here today to tell us all about what it is that he does and how he got here and where he's going and his life from here until now. Yeah, most of those questions I don't have answers to. <laughs> well, this is unacceptable. We'll end the podcast right here. <laughs> Thanks for coming Thanks out. For Happy coming holidays, out. everybody. Cheers. Cheers. tide. <laughs> so, Michael Powell. All right. Oh, that feels good. Let me just start at the beginning. Um... Where did you grow up, and were you into games and stuff growing up as a kid? Oh, um, okay. One question at a time. Oh, uh, yeah, Torrance, Torrance California. Okay. Uh, born and raised. I'm native Californian. Been here almost all my life. Spent a year in Texas, but we don't talk about that. No. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, let's see. Uh, I can remember playing games from when I was very little. Um, 
on an Atari 2600. Oh, look so, at So, I mean, like, maybe three, four, five years old. I'm not sure. Pretty young. I, I just remember playing. Yeah. Not knowing what I was doing. Anyways. Was there a particular time. Atari game that you were playing, though? For some reason, my favorite game on Atari was a game called Adventure. Interesting. And you played this little dude. You were a little square. And you would go through, and it was like mazes that you'd go through, and you'd you'd find the sword, which was looked like a little arrow. Okay. And then there would be this dragon you had to kill with it, and then you had to find the key to get to the castle or something like that. And for some reason, I'm just a little little kid, and I was obsessed with that mm. game. And it wasn't our game; it was somebody else's game. Okay. That we had borrowed, and when it was gone, it was so sad. Was that? Did you see Ready Player One movie? Well, let me finish that. Okay. Years later, I got when the Atari 20... When emulators came around, I played that game. I got Atari 2600 and to have played that game again mm. when, you know, when I was, I don't know, my 20s or 30s or something. But yeah. it was it was an amazing throwback. I was like, wow, it's so <laughs> great to play this game. What a piece of junk this game is. <laughs> just blocks and squares. Right? Uh, it was so shallow compared to what, in my memory, it was just this the most amazing game ever. And it was kind of a... Was kind it of wish I hadn't played it again. Was every time you went through a new doorway, like the screen would slide? Yeah, yeah, and go over, and you'd have this other, and and you would it change colors too when it like went uh, to a different room? When you went to a different area okay. or something, yeah, the, the color scheme would be different. But there'd only be like two colors. You know? okay. It'd be like gray and like yellow, or gray yes. and like blue. Or you something. hear that? Two colors for a game, kids. Atari Twenty Six Hundred cutting edge technology in nineteen seventy something. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its time. <laughs> uh, of course, I, I probably I played it in the early early eighties. I, I okay, was, I would say. Uh, and then later we moved on to uh, Commodore 64, I think was my next thing that I remember. We played the heck, my older brother had one. We played the hell out of it until it burned up. Mm. Um, yeah, that was that was loads of fun. Yeah, I don't think I ever got that. Oh, you, I mean, this was like before the internet and all that, you know, but you would dial in. My brother had a modem. He would dial into these things and download all these games. Yes. And he had hundreds and hundreds of games. It was incredible. We would just play them forever. Yeah, what, amazing games. Was the Commodore 64 like an actual console system? Uh, it was more like a computer. I mean, okay. the, the console itself was just a keyboard. Okay. And you would like plug it into like your TV. Oh. Thing, if I remember. And you would have like a an, an external uh, five and a quarter inch disk drive thing uh, that would plug into it as well. But the main console part of it was like just like a keyboard, like a large Man. keyboard. Um, I don't think I got to see that in real life. And then they had an external modem as well. They, all these accessories you could buy okay. onto it. And, and, uh, and I, I don't remember much how it worked because I was pretty young. My brother worked it all. I just knew how to play the games. And just, we had a lot of fun. I'm, one of my favorites was like summer games or something like okay. that. These like Olympic games. They had summer games and winter games and all kinds of just amazing games. Flash 2 Michael Powell on the Nintendo Olympic pad. Jumping and doing dashes. Yeah, no, I didn't do that. No, <laughs> I never got the pad. Um... I did have a NES. Yes. That was probably the next big thing. Okay. Was the NES. That was that was terrific. That was a, my my first actual my own console system. Okay. And that was great. Um, yeah, did I had Robbie the Robot. Oh my. Remember? I had yes. Duck, yeah, yeah, I had the, yeah. the deluxe kit, the original deluxe kit with the, with the gun, with yeah. Duck Hunt, Gyromite, and then yeah. um, and then I my parents got me a couple other games with it. You had baseball and uh, Ninja Kid, which was an awful game. Did you end up sticking with the Nintendo systems, or did you turn into a Sega kid? I ne- I never became a Sega person. I was a okay. hardcore Nintendo, uh, all the way up Nintendo, Super Nintendo, yes. um, N sixty four, and then um, I skipped I skipped Sega. 
I skipped TurboGrafx-16. I had friends that had them. Sure. I never had one. Uh, I skipped, believe it or not, I've never owned a PlayStation. Oh, Ooh. again, we're turning off the stream right That's now. It, Thank done. you again for coming we're out. Around. Happy holidays. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, kid. Jeez. Um, and then I went to Xbox, I think. Yeah. Original Xbox, which was pretty cool. Those giant bricks, the big controllers. bricks. Oh God, give you a carpal tunnel every time you played. Just thinking about it. So, <laughs> so at that, I mean, anywhere during that point where you were playing for most of your young childhood up through your teenagehood, I imagine, did you ever think about wanting to get into the game industry as a career? Or was that something that I just never thought about until no. way later on? In the late '80s, my parents bought our first home PC. Uh, it was a 286. Fire. I think. I think it had eight megahertz. Woo! Wow. We had that computer for like a week, okay. and they took it back and got us a better one. It got upgraded us to the three eighty six, sixteen megahertz. That's when I started. Doubled it. Hell yeah! And I played the shit out of that. I learned how to use DOS. I learned how to write batch files. Whoa, I, whoa, whoa! What's a batch file? Uh, it, it's um, DOS commands. Okay aggregated in a text file. Okay. I guess okay. I guess you could say it that way. Hmm. Um, I, uh, I learned a lot about computers from, you know, my, my mom and just messing around with them a little bit. And then um, yeah, at some point I got I just I, I, I was just really interested in how they worked. Yeah. And like what made things happen, you know, and like how how you write instructions and a computer does things, you know. So yeah. I was really interested in like the the, the idea of programming and and yeah, and I, I just I wanted to do programming. I wanted to get into video games. I wanted to do programming. You know, had no idea how I would get there. Still don't. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Were you messing around with the old DOS games and like hacking, playing with kind of the behind the scenes stuff of some uh, of those games? A, a little bit, actually. Yeah. The old or old DOS games. I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. So in, in those old days, you had these DOS games, and then the copy protection was. They ask you what's the fourth word of the second paragraph in the second yes. sentence on page 36 of yes. the manual. And you had to answer that. So you'd either photocopy somebody's manual who actually had the game, yep. which would cost you several dollars at the photocopy place. You get this huge stack of paper by <laughs> yeah, the computer, Yeah, it you know, take you a bunch of time. We did that a few times, got bored with it. And then uh, I had a program called, I think it was called X-Tree Gold, but it had a hex editor built in. Hmm. And... Um, and and yeah, I just started exploring the the game files in the hex editor, hexadecimal, and you could you, you could find the answers in plain text inside the executables, and you could just edit them and zero them out. So all the answers, every time I ask you a question, you just leave the thing blank and hit enter. And that worked for a lot of games, and, and I think I'm sure I wasn't the only one who did this because eventually games that didn't work after a while. Yeah, like, yeah, I think they, they started hide. They caught on, they started hiding the answers somehow, so it wasn't that easy after a while. Does that mean developers back then were physically typing in their entire instruction manual into the code no. to get that to happen? Oh. No, the questions were, were coded, and there, there would just be a list of answers. Okay, right? so they were like, here's 20 things. So you would you find a bunch of list of words, like, you know, might be things in the game or whatever the words were, but you would see all these words. Okay. All together, and you, you, you know, when I saw them in the file, I say, "Oh, I know some of those are the answers. I've answered these questions." Mm. And you could do a lot of trial and error, you know. Sometimes okay. you zero out the wrong thing, but you just edit them and just basically get rid of them. And that was fun. Nice. I, I played with a little bit of DOS hacking <laughs> with the old original XCOM game. 
nice. my buddy had some something he downloaded that allowed you to basically go into DOS and edit the stats of all your people. Um, mm-hmm. If your if your characters died, you can turn that back on. It'll say like dead, yes or no, when you turn that to yes or no. Oh uh, yeah. It was yeah. super simple, like UI in DOS, which made it easier for me to understand. But at the very bare maximum, I would do like. Uh, IP address was probably the most advanced thing back then. Going through DOS, I can't. Like back then, I wasn't messing with DOS other than to like find IP addresses for um, uh, internet multiplayer. Like when you had to, I want to say, I don't know if it was the original Mech Warrior game. If I had to, some, there was some installation part to connect to the multiplayer game. I had to give it my IP address, and I had no idea as a kid how to get an IP address from your computer. <laughs> and I don't remember what or who told me how to do it through DOS to ping yourself or find the IP. IP config? Yeah, I had no idea. That was my most advanced <laughs> DOS moment as a kid. Like, I felt I was a hacker at that point. Oh, yeah. I mean... You learn how to use that console yeah. type of command. Now hacker. I'm getting numbers to pop up for me and actually take command to saying, like... Texas flying by on the screen? Yeah. You're a hacker. You're tree. A hacker. Tree. 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 <laughs> yes. Well, shoot. Um, so you went through all those consoles, all those games. Yeah. When, when did you get your opportunity to get your foot in the door at video game companies? Or actually, I guess, yeah, that'd be a good question to ask. Um, was there a path in between there, I guess, maybe instead where you um, met somebody who was like, hey, they work in the industry, and you were kind of interested think, in how they got in? or I think my first experience was uh, after high school... Uh, one of my old high school friends had gotten a job as a game tester uh, testing at uh, Activision. Okay. And he had done that for a while, and then he'd moved on to you know other things. But um, and yeah, I was looking for work. Anyways, I, I hooked up with him and asked him you know how to get into it, and he kind of helped point me in the right direction. I don't remember exactly what happened, how I went about it, but I eventually got my resume over to Activision and. Um, they called me up one day for an interview, and I and I went over to Activision and I interviewed. This was before Activision and Blizzard were were Over-run, a thing. Okay. They were yeah. separate things, but I went over and I uh, interviewed at Activision, and it was quite an interesting experience. Of course, you know, this was early two thousands. Um, I'm gonna say two thousand three ish, two thousand two to two thousand three maybe. Mm. Uh, anyways, I went over there. I, I interviewed. I course i dressed up nicely and everything and you know and i showed up not knowing that i was part of a group interview of like 30 people or something they were interviewing for for a few game tester positions and i'm the only one who's dressed up super nice everyone else just dressed like whatever t-shirts a couple guys had you know maybe a polo shirt on or something to look a little bit nicer than street clothes yeah and i've got my button-up shirt on my slacks and my nice shoes and and i was i didn't wear the tie i thought i thought i'll go it's a game coming i'll go casual and not wear a towel I'll take a risk and so I just felt way out of place yeah. and I interviewed there it was interesting and that like first they kind of gathered everyone up and they said well you know they, they gave us the whole intro and they said you know just know that if we hire you don't ask us if we're going to hire you full-time it's not it's it's not a matter of when we're going to let if we're going to let you go it's a matter of when we're going to let you go Basically, this is a temporary position, and it was be contract through another company. Okay. And so, um, but it was a cool experience. Um, they didn't hire me. Oh, so did they tell you what project it was for? <clears throat> no, I, okay. actually, they, I don't recall that they did. Mm. 
but I got to see there's you know a little bit of their area where the QA worked and it was real dark and dimly lit and everything and which was kind of interesting yeah it, it was very much a dungeon <laughs> and uh, and you just see these glowing screens and guys just sitting in little cubicles just working away and I, it was kind of it was kind of it, it was that stereotypical like QA environment yeah which, which was kind of kind of exciting at the time to me but now I look back now I think man that was really depressing yeah <laughs> I recall we took a, a field trip at my college to Rhythm and Hughes out in LA which is a um, effects studio for movies and at the time they were working on the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat movie remember he played Cat in the Hat yeah yeah um and I remember walking by this artist who was rotoscoping this shot where I guess uh, the cat takes, um, his car pulls out and the cat like grabs the top of his car and pulls it off like a blanket and it reveals a new car, oh, right? Yeah. But in rotoscoping is he's going frame by frame and painting out the green screen frame by frame. Oh, and it was the same type of deal where he's just hunched over in the dark, uh, frame, <laughs> uh, frame. And I'm looking at him going, this does not look fun at I don't want no. to do what he does. Yeah. That's what I've learned from this field I trip. I want to do the fun. Show yeah. me the fun. Show me the fun. Where's the bright lights and the cameras and everything? Yeah. Yeah. The little the glitter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We were not seeing any of that at first. <laughs> we were seeing the nitty gritty at that point. Where's the parties at? Yeah. Yeah. No. So you didn't get that job. So no, I didn't get that job. Um, did you apply to Blizzard shortly after that? Was that uh, the next step? No. I kind of... Uh, I think I was, you know, looking for work through a temp mm. agency or some other things, and mm. you know, things weren't panning out for me. Um, and I was, uh, I was, I got, I got around that time, I got hooked on World of Warcraft. Oh, there a, it is. A friend of mine got into the World of Warcraft beta. Okay. Closed beta. I didn't. Mm. But this friend of mine was in college and couldn't play it very much. So he shared his account with me. And I nice. got to play it a lot because he was in school a lot. Yes. And he was married. Okay. And he was a young guy, freshly married. So he got a few hours a week game time. Okay. And I had no job, nothing to do. And I was up all night playing World of Warcraft. Yes. Just, I mean, literally going to bed at 4 or 5 in the morning, getting up at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. <laughs> And Back just on it. playing World of Warcraft, and I just was hooked. I mean, World of Warcraft crack, what we used to call it, right? Yep. And I was just, just absolutely hooked. Played the shit out of it. Played it. <clears throat> met some friends. Joined a guild. Um, met a met a guy in the game. Got to know him pretty well. We got to be pretty good, in, you know, game friends. And you know, eventually, you know, he started talking on the phone. Mm. And uh, you know, and one day he says, you know, you don't. You play this game a lot. You don't have a job, do you? And I said, no. He says, well, Called you out like that. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a little older than me, you know. Hey, but buddy. He, you know, he was doing the same thing. He was up yeah. playing the same hours as me. He wasn't working either, right? But he's like, you don't, you don't work, do you? No, no. I, I, I'm on a, I'm looking for work. I wasn't really looking for work at the yeah. time, but you know, I was just kind of being depressed and all that. But <laughs> and he said, well, I, I, I know I got a friend at Blizzard. I can probably get your resume passed over there. I said, oh, cool. You know, yeah, this is the friend that got him the closed beta invite. I no, no, no. This is oh. a totally different person. Totally different person. Okay. That that other friend, um, I had actually never met in person. He was another friend who lived like on the East Coast, another internet friend okay. kind of thing. But uh, so this guy, no, he he was he worked he lived in Irvine. Okay. And he had some friends at Blizzard. Or had a friend um, who at the time was running Blizzard's QA. 
Ah. You yes. probably know who I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Uh, so he passed my resume along to him. So this was 2005? 2004. Late 2004. Mid 2004. I want to say summer, spring, summer okay. 2004. And okay. he, he got, he, you know, he said, send me your resume and I'll pass it on to my friend. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Nothing's going to happen. Blizzard. Right, right. Blizzard, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Well, sure. Whatever. So Little I just kind of whipped my resume together. I didn't really spend too much time updating everything. Yeah. Passed along. <clears throat> I didn't hear anything. I don't know. About two, maybe two, three months go by. Finally, I get a phone call. And it's like, yeah, somebody from Blizzard says, hey, do you want to come in? You know, we'll give you a job interview. We've got an opening in, in quality assurance. And you know, why don't you come in interview with us? Okay. Hey, hey. <laughs> so, so I went down and interviewed. Um, they scheduled me an interview. I went down and interviewed. And nervous as hell because when I was a kid growing up, my parents always said, you better cut that hair, boy. <laughs> I still tell him that to this day. I got I got long hair. hair. I thought I was starting it since the stream. high school. And I was cut that hair. And he used to tell me back in the 90s when I went to high school, nobody's going to hire you with hair like that. You're going to have to cut that hair when you get out of school. No one's going to give you a job. Well, I went in and interviewed. One of the guys interviewing me, you remember, you remember him, mm-hmm. he had long Scraggly. Yeah. <laughs> so immediately I was, I was set a little bit of ease of, okay. <laughs> this time I also knew that, okay, don't dress up too much. Just I think I put on a nice like polo shirt or something or a button-up shirt, but that was in jeans or something. I, I, don't, I didn't really dress up too much. But the interview lasted like five, ten minutes. It was really short. Awesome. I can't remember. I just remember thinking, I've never had an interview so short in my life. So as I was leaving they, and they were taking me out, I thought, well, at least I got to see Blizzard. That was yeah. cool. No way I'll get a job. But Did you do your interview in the fishbowl at that point? No, it was okay. actually in the manager's office. Oh, okay. Because okay, so you, you got to Q come into the room and see the whole Q&A I got to sit on, on the, sat down on the couch. On the couch. <laughs> oh, the couch, yes. And uh, um, anyways, yeah, they, they called me up. I don't know, a month or so goes by again, and they called me up. And yeah, and I started on November. Beautiful. Year, 2004. You didn't have to do a test. I did not do a test. This Everybody guy. else had to do a test. This guy. So, so, so hey, I, I, good point right here. Let me stop you. Networking is big. If you know people, don't hesitate to use them. I mean, not use them, but use your contacts in 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 positive ways to get opportunities like this. Because I had to take a test. No, everybody did. Warcraft three. Everybody did. I was a special snowflake. Yeah, yeah you were. It was I, that damn hair. Because I just I just happened to meet this, the hair. That's what it was. <laughs> that was damn the hair. hair. I met a guy, and I guess he maybe he owed him a favor. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no. Go um, figure the long-haired manager interviews Michael Powell and did not take a test. I got, they offered me... I'll have a word with you later. They offered me a tester position on the night shift. Yeah. Like, but you got to work. It's late hours. It's mm. 7 p.m. to 4 a.m. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm already living these hours playing World of Warcraft. Come on. That was just, so it was easy just to jump right into it. And it was, it was quite an interesting experience becoming a game tester. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not knowing anything of how to test a game. Yeah. Everyone knows what a bug is. How do you find a bug? Mm-hmm. Like, how does how does quality assurance work? What do what do they do? I just I thought, well, I'll go in, I'll sit down, I'll you know play the game, and we'll, we'll find some bugs. We'll look at some systems and some things, and we'll find the bugs. You know, mm-hmm. that's not how it works. No, I mean, it was a little wild west up front. I feel well, like there's some degree of that, but what we call free play testing now was kind of how we ran it minus our paper checklists. Well, yeah, back then, but we were on night cruise. There was tons of paper checklists and tons of paper, you know, 
what we called regression back then. Yes. You know, checking bug fixes and, and then making sure they're fixed and then, you know, writing reports or whatever. It was it was uh it was an interesting experience. Yeah, there were no EODs we had to deal with end of day reports. It was just do the work, put your checklist here, write in your bugs. If it was a higher critical bug, they had to make sure that it was approved before you leave. Uh, I remember I got yelled at my first week. Um, I think I don't know. I think closed beta was already happening, and they were just getting ready to open the undead zone, or something like that. And I had to test the warrior quest, which gives them like heroic strike or some like important skill at level two or three. And the uh, the quest was bugged, where the player couldn't. Was it the the the, the class quest? You had to do the warrior quest. Yeah. You had to go out on that little island and do some. I don't know if it was an. Thing. It was like you had to go into a graveyard, and the graveyard doors were locked when you first came to it. You had to talk to an NPC to open the grave door, and then you go. Was that the horde version of it. Yeah, it was the undead okay. warrior, um, and so my bug was the gates weren't opening. You talked to the NPC, and the. Sh- shit was an opening so you couldn't go down there to complete your quest yeah. thus blocking the player from getting a very important skill I wrote the bug up and left it unapproved and went home for the morning didn't think nothing of it I come back to work the next day and the quest specialist at the time you might know who that was um, went down my throat it was like you need to approve no it was the uh, oh. you need to approve critical issues like this because it's blocking players from getting but you skill. couldn't approve it back then. It had to be approved uh, you by had to a, tell a the manager. Or like, hey, this tell. is a critical issue. But to me, I had never played World of Warcraft before. That was like my day one was my day one in World of Warcraft. So oh. I didn't know how important that was to people. That oh, well, oh. you can't get a skill. Okay, there's fifty other freaking skills. Yeah, in this you'll game. get some more skills. Yeah. yeah. So I thought nothing of it. And I came from a first-person shooter background, so I was completely unaware. Pretty sure it wasn't called Heroic Strike back then. I think it was called something else, but. Yeah, yeah, whatever it was. But it was like the second or third spell you learned as a warrior. Yeah, it was a pretty important spell. I think. Yeah. Okay. Vague memories from almost 15 years ago. We're, we're talking We're talking here. Yeah. And this is where we met in yeah. uh, 2004-ish, 2005-ish. Yeah, the, uh, the friendship runs long and deep with Mr. Powell. Uh, lots of memories of testing World of Warcraft and StarCraft Ghosts. We had an opportunity to work on StarCraft Ghosts for a couple of years. Yeah, that's where we really got to know that's each other. That's where we really got to know each other and, and worked together. long hours. Long, for sure. long hours. Many long... Many long hours. For any of for anyone out there that actually got to see StarCraft Ghosts at the one E3 that we showed it, Michael Powell and I were on the floor, for sure. Okay. Were you playing? In yeah, the... we played. We played. I played. You played. I don't think... I, don't, I didn't play. Okay. Um, I played. I, I hung back and bit my nails as that game froze for a couple seconds, uh, <laughs> thinking, "Oh, here's the end of my job." Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Uh, uh, what do you call? It? I don't know. It was tense for a moment there. Very tense. Shall we set it up? So All we right. had planned a um, StarCraft Ghost developers versus StarCraft Ghost QA to showcase the game at E3. That was going to be our big ending thing for the day come out and check out this developer match and so we'd been practicing this for months prior and the build was looking good and everything was working fine um we set up for the match at e3 everything was working great and then a situation happens that we never tested before where the win condition was to land this building at a certain spot for a certain amount of time and the qa team landed it at the 0.00 mark Something like that. It was like the very last millisecond you could ever have dropped that thing, and the game hung for like three seconds before any win condition came up. 
And to me, those three seconds lasted like five Your minutes. Heart just stopped. I'm like, this is going to crash in front of the 200 people standing around here for Blizzard's next IP. And I, yeah, I, I, I almost shit myself because it was. Whew. But it was a great game. That match was freaking awesome. Well, yeah, another fun fact about that game was that uh, they had just recently implemented the Firebat, I believe it was, mm. in the game. And mm. so in our internal playtesting, um, nobody really played the Firebat much. Nobody wanted to play the Firebat much because he was they didn't tune him very well yet. He wasn't very powerful. He was mm. difficult to play and just wasn't a good, wasn't balanced mm. yet. And so, and of course everyone wanted to win in this, but they, we always kicked the, heck out of the developers because um, yes. we played the game all day they built the game all day so naturally the QA guys were, were better at it so they asked us beforehand please make it a good match don't beat them up too hard um, when you guys start getting ahead pick the fire bat to play nice so they, they specifically asked us to play the fire bat a bit so people could see the fire bat and so that you know we, we kind of let them uh, uh you know, not we didn't beat him up too bad. Yeah, so like we a thirty had, second match. We had to kind of pull our punches a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was it was quite an interesting match. Uh, but it was fun. So, it was fun. Nick and I had a heart attack in those two seconds. I'd say my favorite thing though was when we played. Were you there when we played against uh, the first BlizzCon? Oh yeah, yeah. We showed StarCraft Ghost at the first BlizzCon, and we were there working the floor yeah. uh, at the game demo for Ghost and some of. Uh, I think it was a WoW guild of a group of friends were, were had been coming in and, and playing it. They were they were just loving the game. They were kept playing it and they were playing together. And it was what? How many people was it? Was it five, five. V five? Yeah. Five yeah. V four V four or five V five? Five V five, I believe. Was it? Okay. Anyways, so they would all play on one side and they would play against random people and they won and they were getting real cocky and they just kept saying how great they were and they were just the best thing ever. And they were really talking it up. And one of the other guys, John, who was working the line, and he he kind of says, you know what? You guys are not all that. Something I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't hear the whole conversation, but he set up a match between us. He gathered the the show had gotten really slow, so he gathered a bunch of us up from the QA team. We were also working there, so let's let's show these guys how to play this game. So we yes. sat down and played against this guild, and we mopped the floor <laughs> with them. We won the game. I think it was about as quick as you could win it. It was something like three minutes or something. Amazing. We just absolutely mowed over them like a wave. Um, it was it was really fun to do that to them because um, at the time, you know, we were. Probably the best players in the world at StarCraft yeah. Ghost. I mean, yeah. I guess that's not really saying much. The, the unreleased game, but we had, nobody had played that game as much as us, and we so it, and it was uh, it was the multiplayer was a really good game. Yes, it was. So we had a lot of fun just playtesting the game every yeah. day. We just had a lot of fun. That was my most fun in QA of all the years yeah. I worked in QA. It was um, working on StarCraft Ghost because so much of what we did was just. It was so unstructured. It was that QA that everyone thinks of QAs. Oh, you just play games all day. Yeah. That's kind of what we did, mostly. Yeah. What we did was we came in, we played games until bugs happened, and yeah. then we would you know, report the bugs, research them, we did what we had, and then we'd just go back to playing games. And that's fun way to QA, but unfortunately that's not a, the most efficient way to QA. No, no. I mean, now is <laughs> QA 5.0 in comparison to what we were doing back then. <laughs> Because, I mean, at the, at the same time, we're getting so many changes so fast that we didn't really have a structure in QA to deal with that type of pipeline. I don't think I don't think any of us really had any console testing experience either. I think we just kind just of just making consoles. it up as we go along. We built some checklists, and we did our regression testing and things like that. But <clears throat> for the most part, and, and I think we just, for the most part, we just didn't have a whole lot to do because the single player wasn't, wasn't there yet. Yeah. And so we would just be playing the same multiplayer over and over again, and it just... 
We had a lot of fun. We found all the little things. All the little things. But then from there, after Ghost was done with, you ended up going to StarCraft Two for a uh, little bit? First, I worked, worked on an internal tool. Okay. If you're That's right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. For the uh, customer support team. I worked on that for maybe a year. Okay. I don't know. <clears throat> that was kind of fun. That was pretty fun. Um, a little bit technical, but it was fun to work on a small QA team. We had four people. Oh, nice. Know. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we, uh, StarCraft Two was starting to put together a QA team, so I jumped on that as quick as I could and got in on that. And that was, uh, yeah, that was fun. And you were a specialist in StarCraft Two, right? Yeah, I was the campaign specialist for Wings of Liberty, the first campaign. Which makes you kind of the feature owner of the campaign at that point. Uh, from the QA perspective, yeah. yeah, I was in charge of all of the campaign testing and you know all that. So. Um, so yeah, to, to part in perspective, we're not really just playing games in QA. They give you <laughs> I wish. They give you big responsibilities like that where here's an entire feature like a campaign or a story mode and right. you're responsible for everything within that feature. And that typically is a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. It was it was a lot in and I mean we were on that game for I can't, how many years was that? Oh Development was 8 years. But I don't think we we jumped on until like two or three years into development, maybe? I don't know. I, I spent five, six years or something, Easy. I think. To, I mean, it was, and it was it was brutal at the end. I think the last, like, year and a half, it was just overtime, six days a week, <coughs> like 70 hours a week or, or more. Yeah. And, and, it, and just for, like, a year and a half, it was just awful. Yeah. It was awful. And I was going through a lot of hard, hard things uh, in my personal life at the time that made it really hard for me to, to stick to that schedule. That was definitely the, the hardest part of... Uh, working in the game industry for me was getting through that and it, it was really really upsetting at times when when certain managers and stuff would say y'all this is nothing you know back when i was in qa doing your job we used to sleep under our desks and, yeah you know walk up hill snow through the snow both ways right? <laughs> so that's not a comparison you want that's not good for anybody i mean things have gotten better over time it's not as bad as it better. used to be i haven't i can't say that i've worked a mandatory ot in almost eight years that I can remember. Wow. I haven't been asked to work overtime in several years. I've been so. asked to volunteer for overtime. Like, there'll be overtime available if you want to volunteer for it. But it wasn't like, you guys are staying That's until great. this is done. Voluntary overtime is great. Yeah. It's there if you want it. You yeah. want to work some extra hours, make a little extra money. That's great. Yeah. But when you have to do it, have, mandatory overtime is not bad in general. But it's just when it's, like, endless. We had no idea when it was going to end. It was, when is this going to end? When the game ships, yeah, when the game oh, launches, exactly. right? Oh, that's when it, that's when we're done. And well, when's the game going to launch? Yeah. And they would give you a date, which was baloney. Yeah, you know, I was like, yeah. oh, you know, we're we're about two months out for a year. <laughs> <laughs> During your specialist um, stint, were you playing around with any engineering type tasks at the same time to still keep that? No, no, nothing. It was just it was just test analyst stuff. No. Yeah. So when did the transition happen for well, you to go into the engineering side of things? Uh, there was a period of time where I was interested in going into like management or production. Um, that's where I the natural path back in the day through QA kind of kind of led you towards QA leadership, and then you can kind of go to QA management or into you know development production or something. A lot of people would go and become producers on various development teams, right? We've seen yep. a lot of that. And so I thought that's probably where I was going. I don't have a background in art. I'm not a dis you know I'm not that interested in design or at least I don't feel like that I'm a designer 
and and I don't and I, I love the engineering and programming but I didn't have the educational background for it so I, I kind of was leaning towards production or management for a long time until I started getting closer to that as I got to the leadership I was campaign specialist on Wings of Liberty I'm assistant lead for Heart, uh, Starcraft 2 Heart of the Swarm and and then it came time for me to the lead the QA lead position opened up for Starcraft 2 and by then I was like I don't want to do this anymore mm. I for legacy it just I, I kind of had a better perspective of what management does and 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 pro- producers and stuff and I, and I realized that that kind of work isn't for me mm-hmm. like the it's really certain kinds of people can do that and for me I knew that I would I would hate it um, and and I and if I hate it I'm gonna be I'm not gonna be good at it no nope. at best I could hope to 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 do good enough at it and that's not that's not what I want I wanted to do something I enjoy um, and um, so they they were they when they I, I kind of I stepped down from the leadership role and just became a tester for a little while in Starcraft 2 uh, unsure of where, where I was going for a little while and then they were spinning up another automation team. They'd spun up several automation teams over the years in QA, and um, I tried to get on them a few times, and usually people with degrees in CS would, would, would get on them uh, over me, or, you know, um, which made sense. But uh, they, they finally had this, this test engineering role open up, and they, they <clears throat> um, at first it was kind of they were cherry-picking people, and I was trying to get picked and talking to the you know, trying to get on the list or whatever it was, you know, um, and um, kind of got blocked from that. It's a whole other story, but uh, I uh, eventually they opened it up as a role that you could apply for, and it turns out the the requirements were pretty low. You just needed to be technical. You needed some. You kind of needed to know a little scripting. Mm. You know, I, that's easy, and um, and and you needed to be a really good tester. That was basically the requirements, which were really low. Um, but it, it seemed, I believe, that the, the vision for a test engineer was that, you know, we had software engineers building these automation tools, and the test engineers are piecing together automated tests via scripting and various things like that. So one of the first tools I worked with, it, it was, you know, you, you, we built automated tests with XML files, and it was, mm. so it was kind of scripted. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but what, once, you know, I, I applied for it, and, and I, I apparently did well, and I got the job, and, you know, I, I learned a little bit of Python, get preparing for it, and that's pretty easy to do. Python's a really great language to start with, and it's you know not it's pretty high level. It's not super difficult. But they didn't require you to know any of the scripting languages prior. You see, you know, scripting in whatever language didn't matter. Yeah, like I think part of the application process was they sent you a test, and it was oh, like okay. here, you know, imagine that you need to test these, um, and they sent us uh, some uh, some web API for World of Warcraft, looking up items from uh, one of the World of Warcraft websites, and I didn't know anything about it, and they're like, you, we want you to write a test plan, and they, and they, you know, they had this big form that they wanted you to kind of base your test plan on, and um, and then you, and you needed to actually automate, to automate, I can't remember how many they asked, like five or ten test cases from your test plan, mm. and send that in, and I, when, when they said that to me, I went, Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm screwed. I can't do this. And then, uh, and it's, you know, it's the hell with it. And I sat down and uh, told my wife to leave me alone. Asked my wife to leave me alone for a weekend. <laughs> so locked myself in the in, in, in the room with my computer at home and um, went online and just banged it. First, I banged out the test plan. That was, wasn't, you know, 
from where I was. It wasn't too difficult. Okay. Nothing I haven't done before. <clears throat> um, but and then figuring out how am I going to automate calling web API and then uh, getting results and then validating those results and yeah and things like that. How do, I had no idea how to go about that. And and at first I had done a little bit of like uh, uh, Visual Basic scripting uh, a couple years prior, so I tried to do that and it wasn't working out very well. It was kind of difficult and um, and. And eventually, I just I came across something and decided to try out Python, and then uh, Python turned out to be it was really easy mm. and in comparison. And um, so yeah, I was able to, to whip something up and and do some web API and some error handling and, and all that. And um, turned out, it, you know, I guess it was enough. I never really got feedback saying, "Hey, this is great," or "Hey, this is terrible," or "Hey, you can make this better by doing these things." They just said, "Okay, great, you're on the next round." And they, and they sent me through interviews, and I went through two rounds of interviews with various engineers and managers and things. And I was going to ask you, are they going through each line of your code from those tests and be like seeing how you wrote it, how you verified? If they never even looked at it, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's the fact that you did it and put the effort into it, maybe. It worked. It ran. It worked on my machine. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's what we always say. It works on my yeah, machine. Yes, always works on my machine. Um, Broken on yours? It's odd. Yeah, I know. I never got feedback on the automation that I that I turned in for okay. that. So I don't know. Hmm. Um, but I interviewed, and then later on, I did talk talk to some of the guys that interviewed me, and they said they really really thought I did well in the interview. So compared to the other candidates at the time, so um, so they they hired me, and that's how I got on to BattleNet Game Systems. Hey, where I still am today. BattleNet's a big thing. It's kind of a thing. It's kind of a big thing. Kind of brings of, all of our games together. A lot of stuff that happens with BattleNet. Yeah, it's kind of a interesting place to be. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Now, not very glamorous, but it's uh, it's a good place to be. I think. Is being a test engineer comparable to being a test analyst at all, or is it apples um, and oranges? I won't say apples and oranges, but like the testing principles I learned as a tester okay. certainly apply. Okay. Right, in a lot of ways, you know, you got to. <clears throat> you got to think about things critically and, and, and how things are used and you know how things might not be used. I don't know. It's all the things. All the things. All the things. All the experience helps. Um, scotch helps. The scotch definitely helps. Uh, helps you figure out problems super fast. Um, not so super fast, but <laughs> shit. <laughs> Slowly, fast. And it depends. It depends what when your milestone. Scotch helps you deal with the aftermath of, of it. Shit. <laughs> Um, well, now that all the crazy OT and all that dark times is over with, um, how do you like to maintain a healthy work-life balance? What do you like to do in the off time to keep you kind of sane? Well, uh, work-life balance is better that we don't do crazy overtime yeah. anymore. Yep. Um, so, you know, I'm married. I have kids, so I spend time with the kids. Mm-hmm. I like to go camping. I like to play games. I've been playing this one game. You may have heard of it. It's called uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. You may have heard of it. You may have heard of that one. I've may been have playing for the last several months, every night of the week. Just about, just about uh, hooked on it. Terrific game. About a year old now. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> By the time this airs, it might be even a year and a half. Uh, no, been about a year. Maybe about a year at the point? Okay. Um, let's see what else I do. I, you know, I don't know. What I'm about at work? At work? Yeah. Are you a big proprietor of taking breaks? Yeah. Well, I mean, 
quick proprietor. What, what are you asking? I mean, me? if um, I take my breaks, you take you take make sure to take breaks every single day, like yeah, fifteen you, minutes here, fifteen minutes there. Yeah, well, you got to get out and uh, clear your head sometimes. You've been you know nose down working hard for a while, and yes. yeah, it's definitely helps clear your mind and get some air. And yes, we take walks. We take walks around the campus, which helps a lot. Yeah. Just to get your mind off work for a little bit, and maybe you even think about a solution to a problem you have. But you just, just get up out of your chair. Just and get, your get blood up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy now. They um, the new spot I'm at at Hearthstone. They actually gave me a standing desk, so I can stand up every now and again to get the blood yeah, flowing. The raising and lowering desks. Yes, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And I kind of took it for granted when I had one back at uh, my old place. Um, I just got kind of tired of standing up all the time, so I just resorted to sitting. It's interesting to watch people that have those desks, um, and, and I'm definitely one of them that, you know, I used standing and lowering a lot for a while, and then now I just sit in the thing all the time. I, okay. I almost never raise it anymore. Yeah, I, I've pretended so. I think I've stood up once so far as I've been on Hearthstone. But it's interesting, certain people around the office, you'll notice, they'll, they, they love them, and they, yeah. they're always raising them up and down. And I think mostly those are people who have, like, back problems who are, like, they're sitting for an hour, and all of a sudden, they're you know they're they're in pain because they're sitting so long. So they they they're able to stand up, and yeah. you know I think that really helps them. Ergonomically, right? Fortunately, I don't suffer from chronic back pain, so not yet, not yet, old man. Yeah. Shoot. Time is coming. Time is coming. So you uh you didn't go to any universities. You learned everything for uh, this position via work experience and hands-on. And looking up stuff on your own, yeah. Yeah, I was fortunate. I was able to do a lot of learning on the job when I started. So they, I kind of got thrown into the fire. Um, like I said, test engineering was kind of a, kind of a scripting thing at first. You're, mm. you're building automated tests via scripting and using various tools that are custom built to do this thing. But what what really ended up happening is those software engineers who were supposed to be building and maintaining and, and those tools for us and you know providing the new things we needed. Those engineers ended up getting moved or pulled in different directions and not really being there for us. So we ended up having to just do things for ourselves. Uh. <clears throat> and eventually, you know, those engineers were just gone. Do you and have anything to do with our tools? Like when, let's say, the Battle.net team needs some tools to test a certain thing, do you guys create tools as well? Um, we have people that can do that okay. or do do that. I don't. I don't do too much of that. I'm, I'm mainly, uh, what I do right now is mainly testing, uh, 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 writing tests or analyzing test results and okay. you know, tracking down bugs. Uh, unfortunately, where I'm at right now, we only have like two test engineers and I'm one of them. And we're, so supporting, we're supporting several software engineers that are constantly developing new features. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm very test focused. I, I have a huge pile of work of new features and things that are going out that are need to be tested, and so I would I would love to do some extra things of building tools or there there are other side projects that can get me in and working in on and actually working in the, the you know the main code base and like C plus plus and things like that. There uh, we we have some some backlogged work for me to do things like that, but I don't know if I'm ever going to actually get to do it. <laughs> the, the eternal backlog. The, yeah, the never-ending backlog. I, I kind of stopped looking at it because there's so many things with my name on them. I just I can't even, can't even. The list goes on it's, and on. It's nice to have plenty of work to do, but it's also 
overwhelming. I'm not worried that there's not going to. I'm going to run out of work and be useless. Yeah, uh, always something to do. There's always going to be plenty of work for me to do. So uh, you like that. You said that you are supporting multiple engineers. Does that mean that each test engineer is assigned to? other engineers that are like okay whatever the features that they create you're responsible for testing or is it rotate weekly like okay well this week we're working on this dude's feature uh it, it's this not, person's feature it's not a rotation right okay. now the the team i'm on is kind of split we have uh one team that's kind of works on social features and <clears throat> the team i'm on is it's called game systems and they do more general game features okay Log on and authentications and sessions and various things like that. Um, Making tens of thousands of accounts. Oh, that was yesterday, <laughs> and, it was, and it was hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands of accounts. Uh, uh, yesterday, of I thousands. created a hundred and sixty thousand Battle.net accounts. Internal. Internal. Internal yeah, for testing. Not, for not testing real purposes. accounts. Yeah, no. <laughs> testing accounts. Um, just type of the, just a little peek into what we're doing. I mean. And. Uh, so, no, I, I support a, a group. I'm part of a group um, that works on certain types of things. And, you know, I, they could rotate me, but it's it's kind of, I'm kind of very knowledgeable. I've learned a lot about what they do, so it, it kind of not be, would slow me down to have to go and learn another team. I bet. So. How many years have you been on this team for now? Four, four. five. Oh, okay. I don't, four or five, I think. Yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty embedded into the system. Well, when I started, there were nine test engineers, eight or nine. I think it was nine test engineers. And now engineers. there's two? Now there's two. Holy smokes. Yeah. But still the same same amount of work. <laughs> so we might be getting some more. Uh, QA is now hiring SDET software development engineers and test, which is kind of the same thing, okay. I guess, of what I do. <clears throat> so we might be getting some Im- embedded ones of those are we might be getting one I just heard today maybe but be helpful yeah things move pretty slow hiring moves pretty slow so it it could be a while it does but to to all my engineer students out there that are watching this definitely check out the blizzard website because there are a ton of engineering positions open there are there are a ton I feel like it is the majority of what's open at the studio right now um lots of engineering stuff to do and to apply for if you're into that type of thing if you're into engineering i think it's a engineering is uh it's a great track to be in i think yeah and you feel like it's this is a good place to grow from if you're like new to the engineering path i think if you're a new engineer and you get a job here at blizzard i think that's a great thing to have on your resume yeah yeah be an engineer at blizzard i think i think that's great strong I think that'll help you if, if you go somewhere else, yeah. or if you stay here. You know, whatever. I, I think there's there's a ton of work to do. Probably all over the <laughs> all over the yeah, company. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, anywhere after that too. Now, what is um, like we we talked about it on the podcast, like how to prove yourself and what you're doing, and how to move up to the next levels in your position. What like for for animation, it's taking on more responsibility of maybe it's more shots maybe you're taking on more of a mentorship role where you're helping junior animators with their shots and giving them better ideas to become like a senior what kind of things is in what i would say what what is in your future in the next step of this engineering path are you becoming like a 
I'm going to say a full feature on it. I don't know how else to explain it, but you in a senior test engineer role, what kind of things are you doing at that point? Mm. Is it just more in depth, more scripting, getting more into? I think it would be. Um, I think I would I would have to expand my scope a little bit. Okay. I think, um, and uh, we we work with a uh, we have a. a a testing framework that mm. our tests are built in. It's <clears throat> right now it's C sharp based, and it, it, um, I think you know if I were to expand more into uh, that framework and improving upon that framework, which which not only helps you know me and my team, it could be helping other teams as well um, that also use it, and just to kind of broaden your my impact. The work, the impact of my work, and um, the quality—you know, the I don't say quality, but the technical. What's the word I'm looking for? Like how you write your test complexity. Okay. Well, just beyond just testing, but as well as improving <clears throat> the testing process and the, the development of testing, how it's developed, and, and the, the the framework that runs those tests and. You know, if I could expand into that, I think that, that could help, you know, take me further. <clears throat> I, I feel a little handicapped, that, or held back that, you know, I'm so busy with all the other things, I don't have time to expand out. Um, yeah. Unless I want to start, you know, working some extra hours or something. I, I don't know if they would let me do that. But. Do you guys get um, PDT? No. Ugh. Yeah, that's, that's a QA thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're not technically under the QA umbrella anymore. Now, PDT is personal development time. Yeah. And we get a certain amount of hours per month to kind of work on something that we want to develop in our personal career. So for me, if I'm in QA right now, I take that hour, whatever I get, of a month and go animate for an hour because that's what I want to do. Um, so I was curious if like, you get some time to go script something that you want to go script on your own, maybe a hackathon type of week. We or... do a hackathon okay. annually. Um Okay. But uh, a PDT, that's if I want to improve myself, that's on my own time. Yeah, do it. That's not a, that's not on company time for me. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it never ends, kids. Uh, the learning doesn't stop. I mean, we work with a lot of very talented people at Blizzard. Um, most of them with fifteen to twenty years more experience than we have. And there's always something new I learn every day here. Even if I'm in QA now, it's not animation related, but. I learn something new, whether it's from an engineer I have to go talk to about a feature I'm trying to test, or if it's just how to write a better test plan or a better test case. Um, and I'm sure with you it's the same thing, where you're working with these super smart people. I work with engineering incredibly, crazy. incredibly uh, talented engineers that have been doing this for a long time and been had a you know a lot of different roles at a lot of different companies, and you know they've uh, yeah they're. So I'm, I'm a small fish. Yes, that, yeah. Uh, I'm swimming hard to keep that afloat. Yeah. Above water, keep above water. And, and, you know, they're they're really cool guys, so they help me a lot, and yeah. I help them. It's always, it's always I think, rewarding for me. I, I always feel very valued when, when these, you know, senior engineers come to me with a problem, and I have to help, I can, I'm able to help them solve a problem or answer questions for them, and, you know. Or at least tell them it's, it's not happening on my machine. Yeah, so I know what you guys are talking about. I wish I could help. It builds on my machine. I don't know what's wrong with your machine. Actually, that happens you. to me too. I, I oh, I'm sure. Sometimes when 
things. I said, dude, I, I literally tell him it. Did come over here to my desk. It works fine. I don't know what's the matter with your 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 desktop, your your configuration, your setup. Something's wrong, but it works. You're just you're doing it wrong, man. It's, it's that is the worst. It's pretty pretty nice when you can say that to a senior engineer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, just realize your glasses say I can't. Well, you just you just asked my ne- or answered my next question was what is the favorite part about your job? But What's you my just said favorite it. part about my job. Yeah, you said being able to, to help out and be a part of. I the... didn't say that was my favorite part. Oh, of my job. I said that was a very rewarding me. part about my job that I enjoy very much about my job. <laughs> What's your favorite part about the job, Michael Powell? What is it? Um. What would you say? What What makes you want to get up and go to work every day? Uh, Other than to see my beautiful face. I enjoy solving a unique problem when I'm okay. trying to. I have to write some code to do something that I've never done before. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, and uh, I kind of get stumped. And you know, of course, I'll go to Google, Doctor Google. Hey or whatever and you know and then um, like lately I've been dealing with a lot of things that are called what we call race conditions where mm-hmm. it's it's basically it's timing issues you know you're, you're sending uh, requests to a server and it sends responses and you know if you don't the, the timing of those things can be really important with automation we try to do things really fast just get the test to run send these things requests and wait for the responses and send the next thing and so Often things run asynchronously. They're they're not. Um, you may get a response, but uh, the server may not actually be done with the work, even though it says, "Yep, we're good to go." So mm. there are difficult challenges how to figure out how to deal with things that are not um, that are very timing sensitive. So you you can't just say, "Okay, wait five seconds and then do a thing," right? Because that'll work maybe ninety eight percent of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, but that's actually not good enough. When your test runs thousands of times a day yeah. on various environments and various situations, it's got to be ninety nine point nine 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 or better, right? <laughs> solid. So solving like weird, uh, figuring out ways to, to solve these weird race conditions is is uh, challenging. Um, and when when you figure something out, and and you know, I wake up in the morning and I, I get in the shower and have one shower hashtag shower thoughts. <laughs> literally happens I'll be thinking about it in the shower and I'm oh damn I'm gonna try that when I get to work just something you know pops in your head and you think oh, why didn't I, I thought was a great idea moments like that I'm like man that's that's what I love I never did that when I was a QA tester uh, you know you don't think oh, I'm gonna test that feature hmm. I, it's not a thing for me yeah. different people I right know. like I don't know all my strokes. QA friends that are watching right now I, I wake up every morning happy to go to QA and think about my test plans and test cases no I'm lying um, it's hard. It's hard, especially just flip from, because QA I feel is so much more technical than animation is. Though animation is technical with the program, etc. But for example, I'm now able to run server commands, testing Hearthstone and and like for example, running a season roll. I want to test to make sure this card back is unlocked. If you have five wins this month and you roll into the next month, I want to make sure you unlock that card back properly. So now they've given me access to send server commands to make sure all these things work properly. And to me as an animator, I would have never thought about doing that. Like, fuck this. 
I would never find myself near a server, near a query, near a nothing. Um, so it's been nice in the respect of learning more of the technical side of our games and kind of the behind the scenes of how certain things work. Um, but it's it's at times very hard still to be like, I'd rather be creative at this moment because I think creativity in QA is hard to come by. You can get creative in your testing, I guess, but... It's really easy to get stale. Very and, easy. Um, lazy. Yes. In QA, especially when you've been doing it a long time. Yeah. The first couple years or so, there's the novelty of, I'm working at a game company. Oh my God, the I work stars at in the ice. Stars this in the is ice. the greatest thing ever. And and then after a while, it just kind of becomes a job. And and you get sick of all the things when you're, you're, you tell your friends or you meet somebody. What do you do? Oh, I'm a tester at Blizzard. Oh, you get to play Blizzard games all day long and get paid for it? No. Mm, no, that's not, not what playing. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I still explain <laughs> it to my but family. But you're, you're a tester. <laughs> you, you test games. Yes, I test games. Yeah. I'm not playing them it's a little different so elbow deep inside the thing just looking at the behind the scenes of everything i had no idea first of all that hearthstone was running on unity i didn't know that was what we oh. were using so now i've got unity access to go into the engine and check nice. out the assets which has been cool oh man that's cool yeah i had no idea i, I thought this whole time it was our own engine thing but you know, it's all out. through unity um, yeah, show me that sometime. Okay, yeah, once I once I can get it to open on my machine again. <laughs> we just updated and I'm having some problems. Uh, I got to talk to some more engineers. I got to talk to my tools team and figure out what's up with my Unity thing. We did a whole update and it just did not like my machine. You guys have uh, automation over there on... Uh Yes, I don't. I'm pretty sure they're in embedded is, with us. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we have automation for sure. I would love to come over and see what they do. Okay, they I work. could introduce you. They 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 sit with Sean in his room, I believe. Sean, so, okay, Sean. Mr. Soup. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Come by one of these days and uh-huh. check it out. That's let me. I don't think I can get in through your doors. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I've never tried. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure. We'll figure something. The thing is, you, you swipe your badge, you never know which doors you can open. No, here. it's magic. <laughs> it is magic. Um, but not to say that QA is not a, uh, a valid way to get your foot into the industry. If you're having it's a hard place. time trying to get into an engineer position or trying to get into an animation spot, don't hesitate to take a look at applying for a QA analyst position somewhere. Um, not all studios treat their QA analysts the same. Blizzard is more so going to keep their QA analysts for full-time, where a lot of studios tend to work project per project, right. and they refresh those QA teams every project. Like when I was talking about my experience at Activision, my buddy, he got the job there. He worked several projects there, and it was he worked, and the project would be done, and they would let all the temp Most. testers go. And then if they liked you, they might call you back for the next one, or maybe not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like it's still kind of the same way. It's very hard to get a, a, a like a full time gig at some of those studios that are so every project they reset the QA department. I think they're I think there are more studios doing that now. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I would recommend Blizzard as a QA spot if you're going to try it because they treat their QA testers pretty well. Pretty I, good. I feel like the benefits, the pay is is up to standard. Um, the more important thing is you're going to be able to work here for a 10 to 15 year career possibly. And there's not a lot of QA testers in the industry that can say they've been at a studio for more than five years even. Which I think is something to talk about to Blizzard or something to, to say about Blizzard itself that they they really look out for their testers even though it's a, a department that's been looked down upon so long in the industry is 
always being the ones that are treated the worst or having the worst situation. Like, But it's come a long way since we've oh, been yeah. here. Oh, Almost yeah. 15 years I've been here. Uh, we've gone from like fifth class citizens to, you know, oh, yeah. at least second class. At least. We are we are part of development <laughs> finally. They recognize us as development. When, when we were in there, we couldn't they, even... You couldn't even talk, talk to, to developers back yeah. then. It was, no, you had to go through channels. Yep, but now we talk to our managers. Quality Assurance has testers embedded in every department. Yep. Every every project has, has testers sitting with the, the developers and, and working with them and, and talking to them. And and, uh, and it, that, I think that's, that's just amazing. It's made for much better, I think, uh, yeah. testing. And getting in input to the game as a tester through feedback sessions. Like, we do constant play tests once a week, and where we hold a feedback session for the whole team, including developers and QA. And QA feedback will go into the game if it's good feedback. Like, they don't discriminate. It's not like, oh, you're QA, we're not going to listen to what you got going on. Um, but it's legit. You can have an impact on the game that you're working on as a tester here, which is great and rare. Um, it's hard for me to say rare though because I only know Blizzard as I can't really speak about yeah. other companies I have I don't have that experience. Neither here. The no. Blizzard was my first and only video game me too. job. Oh god. Cheers to Well, we'll to see that. what the next 15 years brings, but uh, Amen to that. Uh, maybe at the 30 year mark Blizzard will give us a castle. <laughs> <laughs> a little no, castle. damn. I want a castle. With a moat and an alligator. Close to that ring. We're coming up on that mm-hmm. ring. Mm-hmm. Mm. I got mine. I'm officially at 15 years in May, but I haven't gotten the ring yet. That's awesome. I think so by the time this comes the out, I might. Yeah. should be on the way. I got an email saying that they had to send them back. They had a quality assurance issue, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and they couldn't accept the rings because there was some kind of flaw with them. All right. So they sent them back, and it's going to be another few weeks before we see them. All right, all right. Like, hey, I've been waiting 15 years. If another couple of weeks ain't going to hurt me. Yeah, we're going to have to wait about another year probably before You're we see You're almost them. there. I'll be there in November. I'm going to come crash your party, I'll be there too. when this thing goes out, but mm-hmm. I still won't have my ring. No, you won't. But you got to let me know when that happens so I can come crash the party and... They don't want to announce right. your name, but I'm just going to crash the party, have food, <laughs> have a drink or two, and go celebrate with you. I'll drink uh, to that. Yes, amen to that. So All to right. end this thing, All right, Mr. You... Powell, thank you for taking the time out and doing this, first of all. Again, for the second time, this is where I cut in the first podcast we tried with Mike, and my dumbass had two microphones plugged in. Mm. Uh. Probably. 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 On next question. Cue the Jeopardy music while I sit here. Cue the hook. Cue the hook. This is take two. So this is round two of this podcast with Michael Powell. You forgot the scotch last time. I did forget the scotch. So this was meant to be. You had to bring the scotch before I would do this again. The hidden microphone I didn't see that was plugged in was sabotaged on purpose. Mm. Probably by Mike. Uh, We got to do just a little tip. that I give to the students is like, be it a career tip, uh, work life tip, uh, interview tip. Okay. Something like that. But before that, we're gonna do a little fun game where I'm gonna say something and you're gonna tell me the first thing that comes to your head when I say whatever I'm gonna say, all right? No time limit, no time limit. But the first thing is telemetry. Data logs. Data logs. Data logs. Telemetry. Explain to the class what telemetry is. You know what? Because I just learned this today. You, you, you tell them. 
Because honestly, I, I don't. I don't have a good answer. What I feel like it's, it's the it's the it's it's something to put metrics. in place to measure metrics in a system, right? We, like how many daily active users would be a yeah telemetry but, type of thing. But like a bajillion data points. Okay. Okay. On everything. Remember, kids, I'm an animator talking to an engineer, so I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've heard of these things. I haven't really messed with them, so I don't know a whole lot about them. But I know we, we, we take all kinds of data into telemetry. Okay. People do things with it. I don't, I don't have to mess well, with it. Well, you all can play along and, and leave comments of what you think of when I say telemetry. Uh, next one. C sharp. Uh, 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 <laughs> it's a programming <laughs> language. I, I write. I work in C sharp every day. You work in C sharp. That's where we're going. That's where we're going okay. with this. All right. Configure await in. false when you when you await an asynchronous task in C sharp. We always configure await false. Because reasons. Oh. Because Microsoft. Because Microsoft. Next one. Okay, go ahead. C++. Oh. Oh, that one hit a string. That one hit a string. Uh, hard. Hard. <laughs> hard. Now, now, C++ is a different scripting language than no, C Sharp. No, it's not. It's not a scripting language. Oh. It's a programming language. It's a pro... So the difference between a scripting language and a programming language. So scripts are, uh, oh God, I forget what's the term. Uh, they're they're not compiled and built okay. like like a programming language. It's 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 interpreted on the fly. So you oh. write a script, you write a, like a text file, mm. and it reads it while you're while it's being run. Okay. But will you take? Like a programming language, C++, C Sharp, you, you compile it, you build it into machine code, into a binary file, into machine language that the processor can read. So it's, it doesn't need to interpret all that. It's already written in the processor's native language. Okay. A much more efficient way to run it. But uh, scripting languages are great. Like Python is a scripting language. Um, you can, uh, because you, you don't have to build them, you, you're very quickly to just type and, and iterate over them and rerun it right away you don't have to build like for instance some of the projects I work on can take build times can be 20-30 minutes so I make a little change in something and I click build and I'm going to wait 20 or 30 minutes before oh. it's done before I can run it god that's crazy but that's that's what C++ does to you okay okay last two uh, spaces taps <laughs> <laughs> and uh my, one of my favorite episodes of uh Silicon Valley, the tabs versus spaces. You did this on purpose. I did that one on purpose because my last one is tabs. Um, tabs, I, yeah, tabs, I hate you. Let's explain this a little bit, Michael Powell. What is the conundrum uh, with programmers? Yeah, we did, but we, we, tabs we versus messed spaces up that one. Is this, and I, it's really not that big a deal, but it, no. some people don't made play a big, this down. big deal out don't of play tabs this down. versus spaces. And I think if you go and you watch the... Uh, Silicon Valley episode on this. It's it's really well done, and I think uh, what's his name, Richard Hendricks. Yes, I I really got a kick out of his his obsessiveness with it. How he was so hardcore that tabs are more efficient. Yes. Than spaces. Yes. 
and when when his colleagues are sitting there hitting the, they're they're right typing code and they're hitting the space bar and it's like kachoom 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 in his ears and he's yeah he just can't stand it and they're like typing next line of code space space boom 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 on the space bar and he's just getting so angry about it and really I write the we use spaces you use spaces. Is we, it a requirement though? Do they do they care? That is a standard. That's a standard. Now you have to have those standards. That is a right? standard at Blizzard now. Oh, blanketed. Spaces. Wow. Well, I think so. I mean, it's supposed to be. I, I don't know. How, I don't know if it's really that enforced. Right. But generally, spaces. But you know what? I mean, I'm uh, the majority of code I write is in Visual Studio, which is a it's a it's an integrated development environment, an okay. IDE, what they call it, and it does it all for me. I actually I hit the tab button. I don't. I don't. Oh. I, I. I'm not. I'm not. I never. I. I almost never hit the space bar except when I'm, you know, spacing between words. But, um, the uh, the, the but I hit tab and and it and it, it, it puts spaces in for me oh, instead of actual okay. tabs. But it it's configured to say if I hit tab, it'll put two spaces in or four spaces in or whatever it's, it's set up for in the particular project I'm working. Okay. So tabs versus spaces, really not that big of a deal. Okay. I you know I'm just curious. Just, I'm not in this world, so to me, I thought like I bet this is to, a freaking real thing. To me, is you know when you go from one project to another, and you you need to adapt to the style of the way of however the code yeah. is flowing and formatted in that project, so it doesn't look crazy, so it doesn't change. You, you just want to be. It's all for the sake conform. of consistency. Consistency. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and I think they've made efforts to make more of a company-wide consistency in the way we code things. So when you go and look at somebody else's code in another project, that you, yeah. it's not such a shock. It's a little easier for you to read. But, but the argument is that all compiles the same. No, it doesn't. It doesn't compile what the do same. What it compiles the same? No? Tabs versus spaces? Does oh, it all compile the same? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Richard Hendricks might disagree. But <laughs> the end result, yes. it's going to be the same. Okay. All right. That's it. That was my last, that was my last hot round for you. So let's end this with the um, the tip of the podcast. For uh, my animation tip for this podcast, it's um, when you have an approved camera that you're working with, let's say your shot gets camera locked and you can't touch the camera anymore, make sure you lock your camera's attributes in whatever program you're using so you don't accidentally rotate, move, or pan that camera when you're animating in that viewport, which I've done several times and you have to go back to tech artists and ask them to redo the camera for you or take motion capture data and re-import it into this file. So just my big tip is to make sure once that camera is locked down and you can't touch it anymore, lock it in your attribute menu too. That way you don't have to worry about ever it moving around by accident and, and messing up the camera. So that's my tip for y'all. You got any tip you want to throw out engineering wise or just interview wise? Spaces. 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 <laughs> Done. Spaces. Uh, configure await false. Ah. What the heck does that mean? Will my engineer friends anybody, know? Anybody on my team who's okay. worked with me would know what that means. But Or if you work with asynchronous programming in C okay. Sharp, you might know what that means. But uh, it's, it's kind of stupid. Um, tip. I, I, I got I don't know I got nothing. What about um, any tips about interviewing for a QA spot? No, or no. get um, to know somebody. Who knows somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Yes, it is good to network, absolutely. Um, um, what about if you're looking to get into engineering, what would you recommend? Did we already go over that? We haven't talked about that yet. No, yeah, but... How about one of that? Like, if... if, if I think if you're looking to get into engineering, I don't know. It can be hard. Um, I got... I think it was... I got kind of lucky. I got it. No. Cheers, Michael Powell. Thank you very much again for coming on. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Happy Christmas. New Year. We'll see you in freaking 2020. Thank you again for coming out. Uh, I'm your host, Curtis Paddock, again, joined by Michael Powell. We'll see you all next time. Again, have a safe and happy holidays, and we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive.